This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening on this Thursday morning. Fun show coming up today, as we always try to have here. In just a couple of moments, I'll be speaking with the Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, Warner Alford. And then later on on the show, we'll uh, speak with Michael Maiden from the National Urban Professional Baseball League. And uh, there's plenty of stuff, uh, things to do, events, and uh, things going on around the state that we'll talk about uh, toward the end of the show. And uh, yesterday was National Signing Day in football. And uh, the thing that uh, my attention has turned toward is basketball. We have one really, really good women's basketball team here in the state of Mississippi uh, with Mississippi State undefeated at number two and winning a big game earlier this week. And their men's team is not bad either. They're looking good, and it looks like they've turned a corner. And then baseball season is upon us. We have teams that have played games uh, starting this past week. It seems mighty early and mighty cold, uh, but uh, that's where baseball season sits on the college calendar these days. There are teams ranked all across Mississippi very, very high in their uh, uh, respective classifications, including Jones County Junior College, the number one junior college baseball team in America right now, preseason number one. Uh, William Carey is the sixth ranked NAIA team uh, in the country uh, down there in Hattiesburg, the Crusaders. Uh, In Division Two, Delta the state is the preseason number one team in the country. That's two preseason number ones we have. Uh, that's that's pretty decent. Uh, preseason number one finished last year fourth, uh, and that's in Division two. And uh, in Division one, of course, we always have great baseball. Um, many of the polls have. Uh, Old Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss all ranked in Baseball America, for example. Old Miss is 16th, Southern Miss is 21st, and Mississippi State is 23rd. And there are like 700 college baseball polls for Division One. So uh, if you don't like how this one has them ranked, just do a Google search and you'll find about seven more. You could pick each week from your best, uh, your favorite that uh, is you know, particularly more kind to your favorite school or team, and it changes from week to week. So uh, that's, I guess, one of the funny things about Division One baseball. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Jay. But more importantly, mm-hmm. more importantly than anything else in the universe, that's right. I know the exactly Olymp- where you're The going. Olympics have started. <laughs> I actually, there there were two people in my office this morning, and this was a part of the conversation. Well, you know, today is yesterday. And the other person, without checking up, oh, okay. So what, what did you mean by that? Well, the Olympics that are going on right now are tonight. And by now you mean yesterday. Well, yesterday no, I watched... the Olympics going on now are tonight? Yes. 
And then tonight, though, you can watch tomorrow's Olympics. <laughs> Good grief. That don't make no sense. No, I understand what you're saying. That's crazy. But uh, It's time travel, Jay. It's real. Right. We can. The earth must be flat. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to make uh, heads or tails of that at some point during the show today. But first, uh, it is my pleasure to bring in Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, former Ole Miss Athletic Director. Jay, we're going to yeah. get to talk with uh, Warner Alford uh, later. Right now, we're going to listen. We're going to speak with uh, Coach Michael Maiden. Oh, I'm sorry. I got I've got it all out of order. I apologize. Oh well, Michael, thank you for coming on the show this morning. How are you? Uh, thank you for having me. I'm doing fine. I mean, I, I was I was enjoying the whole part. I thought I was going to get a great out of here. Uh, well, you know, I should read the script of the show a little bit closer. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate it. Um, tell us about the Urban Professional Baseball League, the National Urban Professional Baseball League. Well, we're a new professional baseball league that's coming to town uh, in May of this year in Lowell, Mississippi at Wooten Legion Park. And we're looking to bring some family entertainment and affordable baseball to town. All right. Why, uh, why Laurel specifically? Well, I mean, we shopped around. We wanted to come in the south with, 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 with our locations. And uh, we had got wind of Laurel, and we were told it was a good baseball town. And uh, that's what we were looking for, where we can get a good fan base to come out and embrace the team. Yeah, the, the the Pine Belt area of Mississippi is a baseball uh, haven. It's a it's a hotbed for baseball. Laurel, in and around that entire area, uh, there is some great baseball played there. So uh, you got a, a built in fan base there. What is the excuse me the band playing there? What is the purpose of the National Urban Professional Baseball League? I know you 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 scratched on the surface there, but what is the 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 great the greater idea behind the league? Well, <clears throat> number one, as I said, is to provide family entertainment. Also, is to provide ball players that have missed, feel like they missed the opportunity or have not been given the opportunity to play professional baseball, that chance to pursue and, and continue their dream of playing the game of baseball. Absolutely. What, where are the places that you have teams uh, and are planning teams currently? Well, we'll have a team in Milliton, Tennessee. Uh, Lowell, Mississippi. Uh, we have some discussions going on right now with uh, Meridian, Mississippi as well. We we, we thought that was mm-hmm. finalized and we found out last week it wasn't. So we're actually talking with uh, MCC uh, about using their, their facilities over there. And then we'll have a, a floater team that was uh, that will be out of Texas, but for the first year it'll be a floater team. Uh, playing on the road. Very interesting. Uh, how are you going about uh, fielding the teams, finding the players? You scouting players. You have open tryouts. Is it a combination of of both? How are you going about doing that? Well, I'm a former major league scout and a former college coach. But what we've been doing, we started in in May of last year, and we've been holding trials from Texas to Georgia to Mississippi to Tennessee to Chicago. To Kentucky, we've been all over, just like a major league team holding trials, and, and we're winding down with with our spring trials. Uh, we'll be in Lowell, Mississippi. The la- I don't have the dates in front of me. Shame on me. But the last <laughs> Monday through Thursday of this month, we'll be down in Lowell, Mississippi, holding trials for 
uh, those Mississippi ball players that missed us when we were in there on last year. Yeah, I see uh, February 26th and 27th uh, at 2 p.m. at Wooten Legion Park there in Laurel. Uh, and also, uh, interesting, I see April 29th and 30th, uh, and you mentioned Millington, Tennessee earlier at the USA Stadium. That's the, the, the former, or still maybe, the, the USA baseball home. It's the former home up there, yeah. That's a that's a great facility though. That must be uh, quite an honor for guys who play on that team to be able to uh, to be able to inhabit that facility, basically. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard the history about some of the major league ball players that came through there and played on the facility. So there's and it's a five thousand seat stadium. So I mean, it would be. We feel that up every night. That would be a thrill of a lifetime for these young men. That <laughs> would be. That would be. I, I understand that um, uh, you are going to have um, uh, parts of the league that are dedicated uh, uh, honorings or tips of the cap, if you will, to the Negro Leagues, if you will. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's always been my a dream of mine to – see the history of, of Negro League Baseball restored. And the vision I had to make it a little bit different. We have a lot of guys that quote-unquote paid their dues to the game that did not get the accolades that they should. So I suppose the name of the teams, for example, the Homestead Graves or one of those names, I thought it would be more uh, honoring the, the history and the legacy of those players that named the team for example, the Satchel Page All-Stars, the Josh Gibson All-Stars. So now you get a buzz about these guys' names. And when you go to the ballpark, it's Jack, the Satchel Page All-Stars versus the Josh Gibson All-Stars. So it, it invokes the legacy and keeps it alive because you have a generation today that knows nothing about the history of Negro League Baseball. And you have an older generation that still lives in that past of Negro League Baseball. Yeah. How has uh, how have have uh, you mentioned you were a scout? Uh, how has the, the the professional baseball community how have they uh, uh, interacted with you in the league? How are they receiving it, and uh, what are they doing to to help out if they are? Well, we reached out to them and of course finding the see if there was some support or embrace, and we've heard nothing back in reply. We reached out to the players' association, so uh, you know we have to. Show them. You know, we have to let them see that it's a viable league. A lot of people, you know, see the league in its maturity, but they right now it's just a concept to them. Yeah. Uh, tell tell folks about uh, you got internships and employment opportunities that are tied in with the the, the four teams in the league. Uh, what do you have going there? Well, I mean, it's a professional baseball league, so I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to need. All areas covered just like at a ballpark. We're going to need ticket takers. We're going to need concession people. We're going to need uh, cleanup crews. We're going to need, of course, the ball players and managers, coaches, everything that you would need at a ballpark. So, I mean, what we're doing right now is we're entertaining resumes, but we're really focusing on it as an internship because – Again, getting off off the ground and trying to get it going, we're not going to be able to come in and and pay big salaries for these things. 
Absolutely. Uh, folks want to get involved if they want to um, uh, learn more about possibly the tryouts or the leagues or any of the employment opportunities you're talking about or just want to learn more about the league and the concept of it. How can they get in touch with you or, or see more info about the league? Well, they can go to our website, which is urbanbaseball247.com, urbanbaseball247.com, or they can call me at 773-517-2175, 773-517-2175. And I mean, we're in the midst right now of looking for ball players. We're looking for sponsors. And we're looking for season ticket holders, which is our mainstay to making sure this league is viable. Absolutely. Uh, Michael Maiden, Michael E. Maiden with the National Urban Professional Baseball League. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, February uh, 26th and 27th. Tryouts at Wooten Legion Park in Laurel. Tryout registration fee is $100. And um, looking forward to this league getting off the ground. And I love the selection of Laurel and um, great baseball tradition there. And then all of the towns around Laurel, you got Hattiesburg, of course, and Oak Grove and Petal and Summerall. And you go up into, you know, Lauderdale County. There's tons and tons and tons of amazing baseball that we play through that, that area. And giving the folks who have dedicated so much of their time to baseball a professional option close to the house. Uh, that'd be good. Also, if they get a chance to play at Meridian at MCC's facility, that would be really, really cool. That's a great place. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Warner Alford on the program. This is MPB Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I am Jay White. All right. Uh, bringing on the program now, Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, former Ole Miss uh, Athletic Director, Warner Alford. Uh, Warner, thank you so much for your time. How are you, sir? Good morning, Jay. Nice to hear you. Absolutely. You. It, it, it is great uh, to, to get you on the program here and have you spend some time with us. Um, started, um, well, first, played on the probably the, the most well-known uh, Ole Miss, some of the most well-known Ole Miss football teams, 1959, probably, uh, or what many regard as the best football team in the history of college football. It's been written about, it's been voted on, um, and and you happened to play on that team. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had Billy Ray Adams on the program. Uh, yeah, he was a great one. He he spoke about playing on that team and playing for Coach Vaught. Let me, let me get your perspective uh, of playing on that 1959 Ole Miss team. What it was like and did you have any kind of idea that you guys were going to be you know ultimately um in the context of history as good as what that team has been said to be 
Well, of course, I think uh, probably you say get that team together, and you would all say they would all say, "Well, no, we were good." So, <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, it was a it was a time there uh, in that particular era. Uh, Coach Vault, uh, as you know, he was a great one, and we were just very blessed to be able to be under a head coach like Coach Vault, and, and he had accumulated a great staff there at Ole Miss, and so that's where we—that's why we were prepared, and and uh, things got good, and and they recruited real well. The coaches, the assistant coaches, did, and uh, we had. Uh, a lot of guys that were big, but then most co- what Coach Vaught was looking for was some people that could run. He he was in speed for a team, and so a lot of us uh, were able to do that and uh, be able to be on a team that could run and that could win. Thank you. <laughs> what about Coach Vaught and playing for him and, and, and maybe being recruited by him? And, and and what he meant to you as a player, and and maybe more than just a player, but you know, in university life and being a kid at the school and everything. Right. Well, he, here's what I when I think back a lot of times after it was over and, and thinking about Coach Vault, he, he kind of here's the way we did it. Uh, coach Vault was the head coach, and he had a great staff. We didn't have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, but Coach Vault was a coach. And we had, uh, before we went out for practice uh, every day, we would, the, the team would be together there. And Coach Vault would go over what we were going to do on defense, what we were going to do on offense. And Coach Vault had the chalk, as we say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he had the chalk, and he, this is what we're going to do. And we all were in the, the team meeting room, and everybody was there. And so it was great to hear how we were going to attack this thing. And that's, that was his ability. He was had the ability to get it done and get our team ready to play. And the team back then, as you know, I think, you know, we went both ways in. Right. Uh, and so we had the red team and the blue team and the green team. And that's 33 guys. And so we were all in there ready to play. And fortunately, did uh, were able to win some games. So uh, <laughs> a few. That's, that's the way Coach Vault handled it. He was the offensive coordinator, and he was the defensive coordinator. So, he, but he he could get it get it done, and he would get it across to us. This is what we we're going to do. Before you went to Ole Miss, uh, you start at uh, Macomb High School, and and I mean this is a I mean Macomb High School has a, a long and grand football legacy, and this is before there were. You know, playoffs in Mississippi or anything like that. So you had uh, uh, you had the different sections of the Big Eight, uh, as it were, throughout the state of Mississippi. Tell me about your time at Macomb and 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 you know being a high school All American and what you guys did in the Big Eight there. Well, it was back then uh, Macomb, uh, as you know, like we were in the Big Eight conference, and were, uh, so that was kind of how we did things in back then, and. It was a, a, and when I think back over the time, Macomb had a lot of great high school t- teams during that time, and uh, we, I was playing from 1955, 56. I was there, uh, and also back then, when you left football, you went to basketball, <laughs> and, and, and so we, we 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 played basketball and. 
And then the next thing it is, when you get through that, you ran track. So uh, that was the way things were kind of done then. Uh, Melvin Hemphill was my football coach back then. And uh, I, it was uh, very blessed there to be an outstanding lineman. And we were, I was co-captain at the high school all-star team. So I was very blessed with a high school career and playing with guys and it was gone through that so many years that I can't even go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our guest is uh, Warner Alford, who's a, 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 a Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, played uh, at uh, Ole Miss uh, during the late 1950s and uh, was the athletic director at Ole Miss from 78 to 94. But you got into um, the the athletic director's, um, I guess, division or department, uh, the athletic department leadership, uh, starting in 1974. Is that correct? How, how did you transition uh, toward that, that part of your, your life and your career? Well, yeah, I think it's right. In 1974, I, um, and that my athletic career time I guess it was 1974 to 94 uh, and uh, Coach Vault uh, during that time he was the athletic director and um, so he told me he said now because I had my sights set on wanting to keep coaching he told me he said I need some help he said I'll make you an assistant athletic director and uh I'm going to put you in charge of Rebel Recruiting. And then he said, that's what I want you to do, work with me. So that's kind of how I got into the administrative side of it and out of coaching. It went with his athletic being assistant athletic director for Coach Vault. And then I had an opportunity and went over to Louisiana Monroe for, as athletic director and then came back to Ole Miss and uh, – so that, that's kind of how that worked. But, but I enjoyed doing it, and uh, we were able to do some things uh, within the facilities and uh, get it, and people <laughs> raised the money to get it done, and we were very blessed with that. And I, as you know, that's what it takes. You've got to have some money to be able to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You... Uh... You came into the athletic department, as you mentioned there, around 74, became full-time mm-hmm. athletic director at 78. There in the 70s, early 70s, I guess 72 or so is when Title IX was enacted. How did you, yeah. how did you go about, how difficult was it, or was it at all, uh, balancing out the, the athletic department so that you complied with Title IX? That's right. Well, it was this way. Um, the university uh, decided they were, we were going to make a commitment and we being in the Southeastern Conference, uh, women's athletics was going to take a big jump. And so instead of uh, just having the men, we were going to have a women's team too. And that's in every school in the conference. And we were a very strong uh, conference. If you remember back during that time, uh, we had some good players. And so we, we started it this way. Uh, Uh, we were kind of looking around what to do and I said well I said let's do this Oh, uh, Mississippi has great women's basketball in high school I said let's find out who the best high school coach around in Mississippi so we can get them coached 
And so we came up with Van Chancellor. I didn't know Van, but I'd heard about him. Yeah. And that's and so we started off with Van because Van had been to the state tournament uh, oh any number of times when he was I think he was down there at uh, is it Picayune or some small down it was on the coast I think it was. Yeah. Anyway, he came up here and we were able to get him going and 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 our bas- women's basketball team took a big turn and they got real good. If you look back at it, oh, yeah, that they, worked. That worked out all right, didn't it? <laughs> that worked out all right. We got old Van up here, and, and he was good. He was real good, very good. You mentioned Van Chancellor, and that kind of led me right into what my next question was going to be: is uh-huh. uh, some of the characters that you wind up hiring as 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 coaches for your basketball teams. Not all of them always, or not basketball, but just all of your teams in general. It doesn't right. always work out, but um, uh, you know some interesting guys like uh, you know Ed Murphy coaching the basketball team, who yeah. came who came um, painstakingly close to turning the corner so many times, and it just never yeah. never quite worked out, and then. Of course, Billy Brewer coming back to uh, coming back home to the program, and you know he he served as the head coach in a really really important time at Ole Miss football because there had been what I guess about a decade of of kind of losing grip with you know what was the legacy yeah. of that program, and he 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 went a large way to restoring that. Tell me about the, the story of bringing Billy Brewer back to Ole Miss. Well, there's no question about it. Uh, Billy Brewer, we all know, uh, was a good quarterback during those uh, late 50s at, at, at our football team, and uh, he was a, a real good player. But he also was a good coach. And if you look at his record back when he was at Columbus and then he went over to, what, Monroe? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a very good college coach and, and was and had, was very successful. So... When we were doing all the moving around, uh, we said, well, let's see, we need to uh, go get the best coach for Ole Miss. And where is he right now? Well, he was <laughs> he was over there in Louisiana, <clears throat> one of those schools over there. I've forgotten which one it was. Do you remember which one? I think it was, was? Uh, Louisiana Tech, I believe. Well, yeah. And so I said, we need to get Billy Brewer back over here and be our head coach. So let's work on it. So we did, and we were able to get him to come back over here, and and he did a very successful job. I thought I thought he did a good job. Anyway, yeah, did he, you? he he did. I thought he 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 did do a really good job, and and uh, I thought so. Playing into, I guess you know, one of my last questions here. We're running out of time here. I could talk to you all day sure. about this, but um, <laughs> well, we'll get together again. <laughs> Coach Brewer uh, came back to Ole Miss in a time where you know, you know Ole Miss which, as I mentioned, was this legacy college football program in the South and across the country. And then all of a sudden it seemed like universities were dumping tons of money into the facilities and the stadiums and things like that. And right. Ole Miss was about it, – it, it turned out that they were about 20 years late to that game. And so that, that's a mm-hmm. lot of ground that you have to make up with right. with recruits. And yeah. he, he – he made up, he filled in that hole rather admirably in a time where it allowed you guys to, to, to play catch up, you know, to a certain yeah. extent with what you could, with the resources you had. Talk to me about how you went about doing that. That was kind of the start of, you know, some major reno- renovations of the facilities there, specifically Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Yeah, we had a, a what we call draft athletics and the draft athletics, naturally, was uh, had to do with raising money, and 
we were very blessed with alumni who wanted to help us and they gave the money and we if if you recall we we made our stadium uh look like that we were in business yeah yeah <laughs> and and it worked out real well uh for financially what we were able to do and of course then uh we did that in most every sport uh, we baseball stadium uh you know and basketball we did things so all of that uh, showed that we were in the business of being in the SEC. <laughs> That's one of the things we were able to do is, is get a, the, the Southeastern Conference. They were doing success, and being us being in that, we were able to get some money and then rate, get people to get out personally and, and help us raise money, and that's kind of how that happened. Last question I'll ask you, how did you go about um, uh, running into Rob Evans? Uh, I, I'm guessing that's one of the one of the last few and maybe handful of head coaching hires that you made at Ole Miss, and he took a program yeah. that had been you know, out in the wilderness uh, for a long time, save a couple years in the early 80s, um, yeah. and, and built a team that ultimately went to, uh, what, five NCAA tournaments in six years between he and coach rod barnes that followed him a former old miss rebel but rob evans yeah. this guy comes from arkansas grabs a bunch of kids from arkansas and it was like arkansas yeah. plays basketball and and did all this winning at old miss how'd you come about uh coach evans i i said i'm gonna find the, who is the best basketball coach for old miss and so i scouted around and had some people you know, give me some help. And um, so I, anyway, I got out and interviewed people, and I interviewed Rob, and uh, I wanted to find a guy that I felt like could come over here and do the job we needed it done, and he did. Uh, it was very evident that he's a good basketball coach, and I was able to find him and went over and visited with him. And uh, he and his family came into Oxford and uh, he did a good job. I don't know what his record was. You know, you probably got that in front of you. But, I uh, do. I do. Well, I, his um, at Ole Miss. Let's see here. Uh, I got it. I was looking at the year by year records, but at Ole Miss, yeah. he was uh, um, eighty six and eighty one. But uh, uh-huh. that includes a couple years where he was building. His first three years, he was building, but. His right. his last couple of years, he was uh, what do we have here? Forty two and eighteen, or forty two yeah. and sixteen. His last couple of years and and two NCAA tournament uh, appearances right. and a couple of West Division titles. So yeah. Well, he uh, he he was a very good basketball coach. There wasn't any question about it. He and he's also he did a good job in recruiting, and I uh, I just couldn't say any more things but uh, it was the right time for us to get old Rob we found him and I've forgotten who told me gave me his name but anyway I followed up on it and uh, it it worked out great absolutely yeah, I think it did. It worked out great. Well, I appreciate. It. I'm so glad that you remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time this morning, and I look forward to when we can uh, we can talk uh, again and and, and maybe dig in a little bit more in uh, the nuts and bolts of things you run in the department yeah, over yeah. there. We'll do that, and uh, since I retired, I got plenty of time to come visit with you. All right. Well, I understand you got a bunch of grandkids around you, so that that'll work. That, that'll work all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just, you got my number, don't you? Yes, sir. 
Okay, you call me, and uh, we'll go to lunch, or uh, we'll sip some coffee, or you come out to the house. And if we, if you want to follow up and do some more work, uh, we'll sit down here and we'll draw that thing up. We may even do a book. So let's. Go. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! I can be published. All right. Well, thank you so yeah. much. That's. Uh, thank you, Jay. I appreciate your time again. That's Warner Alford, former Ole Miss athletic director. Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer and uh, part of uh, great Ole Miss teams from uh, late 50s, uh, early 1960s. 1959 team, uh, widely regarded uh, as as maybe, if not the best college football team of all time. I, I, I kind of guard how I say that. There's been articles written about it, and there's all these computer-generated studies and things like that. And I don't know how you can necessarily quantify it, but... Some people have gone to the trouble of trying, so I'll talk about it. And the 1960 team had some national championship claims also. It was a weird time in college football where bowls were kind of looked at as exhibitions as opposed to part of your actual season, and so there were some polls that didn't conduct uh, rankings after bowl games. They finished before the bowl games at the end of the regular season. So anyway, some great teams there. And then his time at Ole Miss, you think about just how – his time at Ole Miss applies to how society was changing. You're talking about 74 to 94 in the state of Mississippi. He uh, he had to navigate some, some interesting times both in Mississippi and specifically, for sure, at the University of Mississippi. Uh, and uh, great to talk to him. A lot of fun stuff. I'm sure he's got some great stories we could dig into. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get right back into it. Still plenty to talk about. Season Pass, MPB Think Radio. If you've enjoyed this interview with Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer Warner Alfred, you might enjoy another interview Jay had with fellow 1959 Team of the Decade member Billy Ray Adams, who was also inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. That interview was on the February 1st, 2018 broadcast of MPB Season Pass. You can find episodes of MPB Season Pass at mpbonline.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, now we'd like to share with you an interview uh, that MPB News' Ashley Norwood did with uh, Jackson Public School Wingfield High School's chess team coach, Elizabeth Thrasher. And uh, full disclosure, I may or may not have gone to Wingfield High School, so I may or may not be super proud of this story. And uh, being a native of the southern, the south part of Jackson, I'm uh, obligated to remind you that Forest Hill won a 5A first round soccer playoff game this past weekend, which is uh, just this just this side of a miracle. Um, so that's good. And they have a quarterfinal game coming up Saturday night that you can go see at uh, Forest Hill High School Stadium if you wanted to. You probably should if you want to. Anyway, here is uh, Coach Elizabeth Thrasher, Wingfield High School chess coach, Falcons, Falcons, fight, hey. 
general challenges, number one, um, getting a fully staffed school, fully staffed teachers, and then even with um, a staff that's full, getting teachers to dedicate more of their time after school because things like a chess program or even like an arts program, it takes um, teachers donating their extra time after school to do that. Beyond that, challenges at the school. We used to have a technology initiative where all the freshmen had computers coming in and all of their state testing is on computer. And now over time, the freshmen don't get computers anymore. A lot of our computers have been damaged or stolen. So the school just doesn't have a whole lot of technology to um, meet the needs of the state requirements, the state testing. So actually, that's how the chess team got started was um, when we do state testing, like around Christmas time, we have to shut down the school for like two weeks, you know, just shut it down because so many people have to take their tests on the computer and there's so few computers. So last year on like the sixth or seventh day of a 10 day shutdown where the kids just have to sit in the classroom all day, six to eight hours a day. I finally just said, oh, you know, cause there's only so much math you can teach. I said, does anybody want to just play some chess? And so that's kind of where it got started. We just started bringing out chess boards because there was nothing else to do during these school wide shutdowns. What are some of the advantages with chess? Uh, can it be therapeutic for students? There's so many benefits. If you start with the intellectual benefits, it helps them to problem solve and analyze the situation. There's mathematical benefits because of the grid on the board and the notation. But social benefits, it teaches you how to be a, a good, you know, a good sportsman, be a good, you know, a um, a humble winner, and um, and it teaches you how to not to be a sore loser. They shake hands before and after games. Um, you know, you learn socially you learn to think before you make a move. So it applies on the chessboard. You know, you want to sit there. We, we have a saying. We say, sit on your hands before you make a move. You know, if you see something real good, sit on your hands, scan the whole board, and then make your move. Well, it, it works in social situations as well. You know, make think before you say something. Think before you go and, and act a certain way in a classroom or think before you say something to your mom. You know, it helps you slow down your brain and make the best decision possible. So was this the first time a lot of students played chess? Was it fairly new for them? Yeah, I would say about half of our team learned how to play chess by joining the chess team. The other half, it seems like they kind of knew how to play, just like myself. I, I sort of knew how to play, but I didn't really understand what it took to get good until we all became a team, and then we got a lot of advice from other teams and other coaches on what to do to get better. How does the season work? I'm, I'm sure it's already gotten started, so how does it work, and then where does the Wingfield team rank? Well, the the beauty of chess is it's year-round, so tournaments begin in the fall, and the state championship is in March, so there's tournaments all over the state between now and then, and um, until state championships, nothing is, there's no team record. You just you just train, you show up to tournaments, everybody, you know, um, is, is accounted for on an individual basis until March 24th, and on March 24th, that's the day that they finally keep score of all the teams, and they, and they give out championship trophies, and that's going to be at Mississippi State University. So basically, the way it works is we just we travel to a tournament. Um, everybody plays five games. No matter you could win all five or you could lose all five, but everybody plays five games. And then based on your record, you get something called a rating, a chess rating. What are the costs involved with playing the game? So to just play, right? You know, you just need a board, which could be as cheap as five or ten bucks, um, and then just somebody to sit with you. So all in all, it's a pretty cheap sport to play. But the level to which wing 
field has um, gotten into chess, it's become a little more costly. You know, to go to a tournament, it costs about $10 to $15 for an entry fee for each child to get into the tournament. And then when we travel, you know, the gas to get us there and feeding the kids, because tournaments are all day long. So since they're all day long, we got to feed the kids three meals. So yeah, once you add in gas, food, and the entry fee, it costs somewhere around $40 to $50 per child to take them to a tournament. And how do you make the money in order to fund students to take place in the championship? Well, right now, we don't get any funding from the district. I don't know if that's just because I don't know how to access that funding, but right now it's just a club after school, so there's no district funding. We just solicit donations from private citizens. That's I'll go on social media and make an all-call and say, hey, you know, we're a little short for this tournament. You know, the kids do bring as much of the fees as they can. You know, they really do try to foot their own bill, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just, it's just not enough to cover the whole team. One of the car dealerships last fall donated $500. It was from Gene Silas. Gene Silas out there hooked us up from one of the uh, the car dealerships. But $500, you know, that lasted about a tournament and a half. You know, and, and that was it. And that's all we had. So if those listening would like to donate to the chess team, how could they do that? Uh, right now there's two ways. We have a blue and gold booster club. Um, so if anybody wants to make out a check, if you make it out to the blue and gold booster club, I mean, you can bring it to Wingfield, to care of Beth Rasher or um, the Thompson family. They handle our funds. But if they want to electronically donate, there is a PayPal account that's listed as Wingfield Chess at Yahoo.com through PayPal. So Wingfield Chess is all one word at Yahoo.com. Is there anything else you would like to add? One of the problems I feel in JPS is that kids are only exposed to chess if they get identified as gifted. Right? So if kids know how to play chess, they usually say, oh, I learned it when I was in the gifted program. And I think that's a shame. You know, I think every child should be exposed to chess because it's not about how good the kids could be at chess. It's how good chess could be for them. Elizabeth Thrasher, thank you so much. Thank you. That's Elizabeth Thrasher, the uh, chess coach, coach at uh, Wingfield High School, Oscar H. Wingfield High School. Fight, Falcons, fight. All right, so uh, good stuff there. Uh, and we've had uh, a, a couple of really good interviews today. Now, when we come back, we've got a little, more, a little bit more information to throw at you, uh, including some events going on around the state of Mississippi. And uh, as I mentioned, and if you didn't catch us right at the beginning of the show, baseball season is about to start, and uh, there are a bucket full of highly regarded Mississippi college baseball teams that are getting into action. I mean, right now, baseball season for some has already started. So first week of February, here we are. All right, we'll take a break. Our last of the hour with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. This is MPB Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back.
Packets and PBCs and Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Uh, some events going around this weekend. Dixie National Rodeo uh, tonight through the 14th. Uh, at the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson. There's a parade going on Saturday the 10th at 10.30 a.m. Uh, plenty of sports going on right now, including, as Liz mentioned at the very top of the show, the Olympics. What are you looking for forward to in the Olympics? I just love it because you get to see sports that other people take for granted. Alpine skiing. Uh, that's something I've never done. I'm never going to do. But there are people that just do that. That's what they do. How you want to do today? Let's go alpine skiing. Right. And, and that's that's their life. I wouldn't know alpine skiing from other any other type from of skiing. From Super G or Slalom. I see. I just, you left me right there. Uh, I, you know, I love the... Um, I don't even know what it's called. You shoot a gun and then you cross country ski, then you shoot a gun again. That that the bobsled. We've had a skeleton interview Sounds like before. Our legislature at work. <laughs> I I just love that. I mean, this is a these are sports from another planet, <laughs> and I'm getting to watch these sports from another planet. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. There are some sports that, for whatever reason, like that are popular worldwide that struggle to maintain eligibility as an Olympic sport. But here's one where you talk about how you ski and then you you stop skiing for a minute. You pick up a gun and shoot at something and then you go skiing again. I don't know what's Olympic about that. I'm not trying to bag on that sport. But I mean, what what about that? Uh, well, anyway. Well, in the mind. summer, they have archery with bows and arrows. And, uh, in, well, even I that, guess, I mean, that's a specific sport. I mean, what, I mean, who is like skiing and shooting and then skiing and shooting? I mean, what sport is that? That's, that's not a sport. That's, that's biathlon. That's I think hunting. that's what it's called. Well, there you go. In, in Canada, that's hunting. Right. All right, so you, you've got a story about... Um, uh, there's an, an athlete who have like what a, like an emergency appendectomy or something like that. I you know I guess you know for for these Olympics you know uh, the people who train for these they train years for and every four yes. years they get their shot. Uh, you, nobody cares about the bobsledders in the odd numbered years. Right. If you're a bobsledder and I guess this American bobsled pilot Justin Olson he uh, he won a gold medal in Vancouver in 2010 and he. He wants to participate this year, but he had an appendectomy Monday, and he thinks he's going to compete in the events that start February 18th. That is, that's dedication. We got Dr. Jimmy here shaking his head. That's crazy talk, but he's, that's a passionate individual. I hope the drugs they give him to heal him don't interfere with whatever drug testing, but... Well, I mean, that's a little bit of time. I mean, I... I... I didn't expect an appendectomy to be like a an outpatient process, but anyway, he's got like a week or a little bit more, right? Well, but you've you've got to run. You know, that's your. You, I guess there's <laughs> well, ten got, seconds of he's got more room now. of sprinting, but he's got those uh, <laughs> off season track stars, the three other guys who help push the sled. Right. Well, now he could say, if nothing else, that he went to South Korea to have an appendectomy. So that's a story uh, in and of itself. Uh, so hopefully that that turns out all right. That is. If he doesn't get to compete, that is uh, a, a, a heartbreaking story, like you mentioned. And uh, we talked to you know Tori Bowie about this, about you know, how is it that I mean, you, you train for years and years and years to get to this one point where the next, 
I mean, for track stars, it's the next 20 or 40 seconds are going to dictate kind of what happens the rest of your your athletic career anyway, maybe the rest of your life. And uh, same thing with these guys, except maybe it's not 20 or 30 seconds. It might be like a minute or a minute and a half, something like that. But you train all this time. You spend how many ever years of your life dedicating you know, most all of your waking, breathing moments to being absolutely as prepared as you can be for that moment. And, uh, hey, I went to South Korea to have an appendectomy. That's uh, that's difficult to deal with. but that, The agony of defeat, as they say. It is. Or we hope not. The agony of an appendectomy. Uh, so I uh, wanted to mention to, to you again, if uh, you haven't had a chance, if, you're, if your brain has not shifted into baseball mode, and that's understandable, uh, because, uh, I don't know, it seems to be colder now than through a lot of November and December it was in Mississippi, but... There, uh, it's a college baseball season. It's here, and there are a ton of really good college baseball teams in Mississippi at uh, many different levels. Uh, in Division One, uh, Baseball America has Ole Miss ranked 16th. They have Southern Miss 21st. Mississippi State is ranked 23rd in the country. Uh, in Division Two, Delta State out of Cleveland is the number one ranked team in the country preseason. Uh, they finished last year fourth. Um, in the NAIA, William Carey, the Crusaders, William Carey University in Hattiesburg, is uh, preseason number six. They finished fourth in the country last year, 45 wins. And in the in the National Junior College Athletic Association, Jones County Junior College is preseason number one. Now, they took a number one ranking last year into the NJCAA Region 23 tournament, uh, which is Mississippi, Louisiana. And uh, they actually got bumped by Hines. Uh, from Raymond uh, in Hines County here in Mississippi, who went to the JUCO World Series. Jones is number one preseason this year. Uh, Northwest is uh, number seven, and Hines is 19th. So there you go. And then also, I should mention to you that Hattiesburg High School is the eighth-ranked high school baseball team in the country. There is amazing baseball everywhere in Mississippi Anywhere close to you, no matter where you live inside of our borders, you should go check it out. For Liz Gell, I'm Jay White. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.